Blog Talk Radio. Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show for this evening. <coughs> Number one to Nevada Isles, we will rock you once again. The second consecutive championship for the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show's Fantasy Football League. Number two, obviously we have our own show theme. And number three, we are here tonight to wish so long farewell to 2016. And as ironic as it would happen, the actress that played Liesl in the show Sound of Music that sang that just moments ago passed away in 2016. So we will well, be having some regular... along with everybody else. Well, uh, yeah, well, we're going to have our regularly scheduled show on Tuesday. So we're not going to talk about football that happened today, being Sunday. We're not going to talk about the college football playoff that happened yesterday. We're going to keep that for Tuesday's show at, at 7 o'clock. Today we are here to discuss the last 12 months minus the last 24 hours. So, Mr. Caymans, I understand you are a bit under the weather, but welcome back. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I have been hacking up about half of a lung. My wife is hacking up half of a lung, the other half of the lung. And Mike's son is just looking at us and laughing. So it's been a wonderful uh, few days. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to our listeners. Um, an interest, 
a year of extremes in sports. Uh, from the highs were incredibly high, the lows incredibly low, the sad, um, incredibly sad, and the stupid. Well, there's always the stupid. Um, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about all these things over the next hour or so. Sean, how how was your New Year? My New Year's was very well. I, I, I saw a bunch of high school friends that I hadn't seen in about 20 years. Went out to Brooklyn, um, definitely the forgotten borough, but had a nice view of the Statue of Liberty and the Empire State Building. Very well done. Um, just something different this year, so uh, very nice. Thank you very much for asking. And yourself and, and the family, other than the sickness that has plagued the Cayman's family, Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Uh, we did what every couple that has a child under the age of six months. We were home well before midnight. Carly was asleep. Baby was, and I was watching, re- watching Sports Center regarding uh, the two the two playoffs. Sean, I have to cut out for two se- what- for a minute. Sean, I have to cut out for one minute. So I apologize. Okay. No problem. And then we all watch Mariah Carey, who, in her, who, ironically, while there are several people that passed away in 2016, and we'll discuss those, and very significant people in the sporting world, it was not lost on me that the last person to really pass away in 2016 was Mariah Carey's career, because that absolutely happened last night if you caught anything on ABC. And I didn't. I had to watch the YouTube video at 5.30 in the morning after I saw it plastered over, all over Facebook. But, yes, Mariah Carey's career, I believe, is the last bastion of loss in 2016 before we move on to 2017. So how did we start 2016? We started with a college football playoff in January. And Alabama doing what Alabama does, winning. Yeah, that's, that's what they do. And they have continually done that over the last several years. And they had a great team. Why, for some reason, am I coming across – hold on one second. Okay. So 2016 college football playoff, as we said before, Alabama 45 to Clemson 40. Alabama right, so when Deshaun, Wa- Deshaun, Watson, Deshaun Watson, pretty much, and I'm back, my apologies, a little hecticness around the house. Uh, Deshaun Watson threw for about 350 and ran for another, like, 100 and change. One of, the yeah, best so, games, one of the best college games in recent memory. So college, So the coming out party, really, for Deshaun Watson – in that he was then brought forth as supposed the frontrunner for the 2016 Heisman, which did not go to Deshaun Watson. It went to Lamar, Lamar Jackson. But we'll get to that yeah, later. No, Lamar Jackson. Sorry, go ahead. No, and uh, however, Deshaun Watson, I believe, was third in the running lot in, in 15. Um, moved its way up to, to second this year behind Jackson. And, you know, we'll see, depending on whether he comes back or not, which is unlikely, but I will see, he would be the front runner 
along with because it's hard for to repeat. So he would most likely be the front runner with Lamar Jackson next year. Correct. So once we once we stopped talking about college football, which happened in January, we then went on to the pro football game. Correct. And the playoffs happened in January. Uh, a good good showing in the NFL playoffs last year. No no question about it. Uh, I went out to Vegas for my first time that I had ever seen an NFL wild card week uh, divisional weekend, the second weekend, and saw more gambling than I ever hoped to take part in. And my ten dollar bets were not very much compared to the rest of uh, Vegas that week. But uh, we saw. I would like to say the the recreation of the Hail Mary used over and over and over again by Aaron Rodgers, who, again, will play the same team tonight, I believe, in Detroit that he threw the Hail Mary in last, last year. But not in the playoffs. The, playoff, the playoffs no. themselves were not – I don't think were particularly interesting. There were a couple no, games he, of note. You're talking the Detroit the, – the, the Green Bay-Arizona game. Correct. Where the Hail Mary, the Hail, the Green Bay Hail Mary to put the game into overtime, and then then Arizona um, completed a seventy yard pass to Larry Fitzgerald who would win on the next play, and then Arizona would go on and lose in a really lackluster effort, a, a game I thought they would win uh, to Carolina, and then Carolina, you know, fifteen and one. Some people appointing them as a potentially an all-time great. You knew uh, both of us kind of felt a little bit silly in that regard. Um, would really lay an egg in Peyton Manning's last game uh, in Super Bowl Fifty One, uh, Super Bowl Fifty against Denver. And Denver, if you remember correctly, kind of going through it, they beat Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh was without. And the other game that you have to kind of think of in regards to NFL, NFL playoffs was that Cincy Pittsburgh game. Yep, game Cincy, you know Cincy. Since he having lost five straight first round games, has the game won? Then penalty after penalty, and then a Jeremy Hill fumble, and then another penalty, and it just kind of showed the disintegration of that team. You know, the inability to handle prosperity particularly well. And you know, this year Cincinnati really fell on hard times. And you know, one of the bigger questions coming out is whether this was the end of Marvin Lewis's, uh, you know, really solid run. In, uh, as, the, as the Bengals head coach. Yeah, we'll talk about that more on Tuesday because tomorrow is basically Black Monday for NFL coaches. So there will be a couple certainly fired. A couple have already been fired. But there's always a surprise or two along the way. And we'll, we'll talk about that more on Tuesday once, the, uh, once the, the guillotine falls on the coaches. But, yeah, that was the unraveling of, of – the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe a foreshadowing of what was to come this year. And then we have an underwhelming Super Bowl, but one in which it was very surprising, but at the same time, very nice to see, not that Peyton Manning won, but for all those years that Peyton Manning offense played off the defense and got them into certain playoff um, playoff situations, this was the exact opposite. This was Peyton Manning struggling, perhaps to the tune of one of the 
biggest struggles that I've seen of a quarterback coming down the pike. Like, I, I remember the end of Joe Montana. I remember the end of Dan Marino. Both Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I remember the end of Steve Young. I remember the end of Troy Aikman. Granted, Young and Aikman ended with injury. I don't remember a quarterback struggling like I wasn't around for Johnny Unitas and I wasn't around for Joe Namath. But Peyton Manning certainly did not run through the finish line. He basically hobbled through the finish line. And But it was very nice to see that the defense, which had betrayed Peyton Manning throughout all those years in Indianapolis, a defense picked him up at the end and won a Super Bowl for him. Yeah, this was not a team led by Peyton Manning. This was a team led by the defense. Of course, you know, Von Miller, Akeet Tlaib, uh, DeMarcus Ware, Chris Harris. Decent running game with C.J. Anderson and a passable offense. Um, but make no mistake about it, Peyton Manning was not a strength of this team. Peyton Manning was a weakness of this team. Agreed. But when your other option is Brock Osweiler, who has turned out to be, for all intents and purposes, a set looking like a $72 million bust down in Houston this year, um, you know, you, you don't need, you know, you need, you need, you don't need great. We've seen Super Bowls won by mediocre quarterbacks, and no one is saying Peyton Manning in his career is anything close to mediocre. But we've seen Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl. We've seen Mark Rippon, although he was the MVP that year, win a Super Bowl. We've seen Brad Johnson win a Super Bowl. But these are not Hall of Fame names. Now, these are these are quarterbacks who played with really, really good defenses where they wanted to go, and they, and they man, and they, although people hate the word, they managed the game. I, I, and, am, I am very surprised, Seth, that you did not bring up either Jeff Hostetler or Phil Sims in that conversation. Um, Phil Sims, the Giants quarterbacks are always a weird situation. I'm not quite sure. Whether I consider Phil Sims, I consider Phil Sims a pretty solid step above a Brad Johnson or a uh, who's the other one that I mentioned? I forget. Um, Jeff Hosadler was a solid backup quarterback who went on a great run, but again, yeah. led by great defenses. Absolutely. And Trent Dilfer had the 2000 Ravens, which is debatably the best of all time. Jim McMahon had the 85 Bears, which in our mind is the best we've probably ever seen. Um, I mean, Denver, although I would not put them at that level, was an extraordinarily good defense. And Von Miller was on it, you know, went to a different plane this year. Agreed. And then once we left January, we saw uh, into February, we saw the Brooks, we saw the free agency start in, in March. And we'll get to that in a little bit because we had a little bit of NBA action going forward and then the NCAAs in March Madness where yours truly went on a nice trip because my team went on a nice trip. And I don't foresee that happening this year based on their, based on their record and what they did as of today with Boston College again. But that's another time for another day. But it was at Cinderella a story. Look, we won the national championship. We expected to be there. Syracuse being, we've gone on runs. Syracuse has gone on runs before we expected to be there. Seth, I think you can agree with me. Nobody expected them to go on this run, but then again, nobody expected Michigan State to go out in the first round. No, 
Well, no one ever suspects a Tom Izzo team to go out in the first round. Um, and it was, a, it was a fun tournament. It was, I would say, a pretty unexpected winner. But what I would also say was, you know, we, we talk about great, cha- you know, great games. There was a lot of great this year. This, this the final between Villanova and North Carolina has kind of fallen a bit, <coughs> excuse me, a, a bit to the side, and it deserves a lot more credit than that. What a sensational final! And you don't get too many too many moments greater than a guy going going the entire our the point guard Ryan. Uh, Diercino, I'm pronouncing the last name wrong, going the whole way, getting the ball to uh, Chris Jenkins, who hits the three-pointer. Like, Chris Jenkins? Man, I'm, I'm off on all these names, I think, today. Uh, at the buzzer. You know, who, who, who hits a three-pointer to win the national championship? You know, look, it's what every, will, every basketball player has ever dreamed of. Look, you will get absolutely no argument from me. Having been there myself, live, I was, I wasn't jonesing to go to the game, truth be told. But I wound up with the ticket after Syracuse had lost, and I went, and I called it the greatest championship game I've ever seen, live or, or on TV. I believe it might be the greatest championship game ever played. At least the end was. Maybe not the whole game, but certainly the end. I don't know another ending where you tie it up with eight seconds to go and then win it right after that. I don't know any other championship game that goes to that caliber. And it's very hard to duplicate in other sports. We did see basically the modern equivalent of that in the baseball this year. In the Baseball World Series, you could say that maybe the Patriots' first Super Bowl winning on a Winning on a field goal of vegetarian in the overtime? Maybe? I don't know, but as far as I'm concerned, it was the best championship game I've ever seen, and it may be the best game I've ever seen. Certainly the well, best game I've ever will, seen. No, nothing will ever be a better game to me than um, the 92 Duke Kentucky final game. That's the best college back I will ever see. Um, but it was a phenomenal final. And when you look at that team, and as I said, we watched Chris Jenkins. I just I, I needed to take a step back. The team has Josh Hart, who's probably the college player of the year so far in this year's. They have Ochef. This was a team that had been underrated for years because they never made the move. They never made the next step towards, you know, Jay Wright's been their coach forever. They made final eight. They may have made one final four before, I think, with Scotty Reynolds. Um, this was not a team you looked at. And I remember I had them going out in 16. It was a team you really didn't give much thought to. I had them losing to Miami. You know, they beat Miami pretty badly. And then they beat Kansas. And Kansas has become the Atlanta Braves of college basketball. Oh, always winning the division. You know, they won 13 divisions, 13 Big 12 titles in a row. Always somewhere in the top five overall. And somehow always tends to underachieve in the tournament. And this year, a team is probably the number one team in the country. And same thing. And again, you know, they're, they're right there this year. Both of, both of us took them to win the national title this year. We'll see how that plays out come March. 
Beth, let's discuss that, though, because I think that's an important point in the fact that when you are one, when you're in baseball, you know pretty quickly on who's going to be in that top echelon, maybe top 11 teams, 10 teams, let's say a third. In football, I think you can say that basically at midseason as well. In NBA, I think you can I, I think you're coming close to that at around the midseason as well. Those sports all have 30 teams. And in order to get bounced out, such as the Atlanta Braves, some team has to beat them th- back in 95 or 96 in the 90s before this wild card came in, the second wild card. You had to win three out of five games to bounce out a team. When you're looking at Kansas or you're looking at a Michigan State, and truth be told, if you're putting Kansas up there, you have to put Michigan State up there too, as they have both only, I believe, as those only won two in the amount of time that he's been there. Uh, Is those one one? But I look at it very. I don't look at it the same way. I don't look at Michigan State ever having the talent anywhere close to what Kansas has had over the years. Okay, that's fair, but. But let me, let me finish my point. Hold on a second. So my point is, in those other sports, you have to win three out of five games, at least. Sometimes it's four out of seven. So the better team should come out. The better team absolutely should come out. So if you want to say that the Braves underachieved in the 90s, being the better team and they weren't able to win three out of five, I'm with you, and I agree. But here we are with one game. It's not three out of five. It's not necessarily the best team. It's who can get the best bounce sometimes one game. And to, I understand the point of underachieving, and, and I can go with you to a degree on that, that Kansas certainly has had more talent than any other team in the last 20 years and only winning one under Bill Self. I think they won one under – did they win one under Roy? I believe they did, right? They've won two? No, they never won one under Roy. They won under one, one before that was Larry Brown. Okay, correct, with Danny Manning. But we're going back to 1992. So we're talking 80, almost yeah, well, uh, eight, Manning won in Manning won in 88. 88. So we're going almost 30 years. But the fact is, it's one game. So, to me, comparing that to another sport where you have to win three out of five, I'm not trying to be a contrarian here, but I, I just don't see how – if you want to say that they have underachieved, I can go with you on that. But to compare them to another sport where you have to win three out of five, that's where I, that's I, where I disagree. I just thought – I can see where you're coming from on it. I kind of looked at it more as a higher, at a higher level. When you have Atlanta, perpetually a top, you know, made the made one division how many times? How many times in a, in a row? Thirteen. It's twelve 14? in a row. It's twelve in a row. Yeah, and I understand that. It, yeah, it's a three to three, three out of five versus a one, where one in one game anyone can win. But Kansas has had a lot of unacceptable losses over the years in these championships. Yes. Now they had one of their best teams. Atlanta had a, had a lot too. When you you know. The, they did, it wasn't like they made the championship, they made the World Series that many times. They, no, they made they it in ninety. They made it in ninety or ninety one, I guess. They made it in ninety four when they or ninety five when they won it, and they made it in ninety nine. 
or 98. I, I always get mixed up between. 96. They lost 96. to the Braves. I uh, lost the Yankees Pirates, right, in 96? 96, yes, that's the Jim Weirich series. And then they lost, I believe, again in 98 or 99. I don't know which one it was. Yeah, to the Indians. Okay. No, to the, no, the Indians beat the Marlins. They lost to the Yankees twice. Sorry, yeah. The Yankees beat the Yankees won ninety six, ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand. Two thousand was the yep. Mets. Ninety six was yep. the Braves, and then ninety eight, yep. ninety nine was either it was the Braves, Braves. I don't know which order. Yeah, the, I would the think it, I, I think it's Padres, Braves. That, you, so what what is determined? And look, this is a bigger discussion, but I just want to point this out. What is determined is underachieving. Only one team wins, and only one team can win. These are individual games. These are singular games. One and you're out. It's a knockout. It's the football championship. You don't ever say that some team has underachieved in the NFL. I've never heard that. I think you do. You've never heard that before? I've never heard that a team consistently has underachieved. Maybe for one year, but consistently? No, a team. Well, I'm not sure if I agree with you or not. Now, the reason, okay. that, the reason that I guess I hold it to Kansas and maybe not to Michigan State, and maybe the championship is too high of a barrier. Right, but, and that's where I was going with that. Okay. But if you look at it, even from a Final Four standpoint, the number okay. of times Kansas has been a one seed and not reached the Final Four, is it's a disproport- or a top two or three seed. I think they've been in probably a top four seed every, ever since we started, every year since we started following college basketball. And more often than not, whether it's Northern Iowa, whether it's Virginia, whether it's uh, this year Villanova, I mean, it's not as big a shock. But they've continuously not reached the expectation that I believe both their fans and probably themselves have set. Okay. So, you know, when I look at Michigan State, Michigan State is a team, more often than not, is not a one or a two seed, last year being the exception. Often there are four or five. I mean, they made the final four as a six and a seven. You know, teams that just get better in March as opposed to teams that have been top five all year. Okay. Well, I'm hoping, uh, yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense to me. Okay. So that happened, right? So Kansas loses and uh, Michigan State loses in the second round and in the first round and opens the door for Middle Tennessee State to play Syracuse. We go to the final four and then we – get crushed by North Carolina. But a successful year for Syracuse basketball, I think a successful year for Michigan uh, for Maryland basketball. I know you guys didn't get as far as you wanted to go, but you put yourself back on the map. Would you agree? No, it was a disappointing year. Um, the team never bought it. Successful can be, can be the, in the same conversation. This was a team that had championship aspirations. And not that they okay. lost in the Sweet 16, not that they lost in the Sweet 16 to Kansas. That's not an issue. Point during the year, did this team feel or seem like a final? They never. They had a lot of talent. They just never really blended together. And Mel Tremble, you know, Mel Tremble was not great the second half of the year. You know, their best player was Rashid Solomon, probably. And it was just a team that we, you had high expectations whether. Whether they made the Final Four or not, this was a team you thought could have been an, a contender 
and at no time did they feel like one. Okay, that's fair. But success to me is defined as different, could be defined differently as meeting expectations. My view of, of Maryland this year, more than anything, is that you're, before this year, you had gone through a couple of years where you were very down. You, you weren't yes. on the national radar for whatever reason. You got a, a great recruiting class came in, not necessarily that they, that they met, met your expectations or anybody else's expectations. But based on that solid recruiting class, you have now secured another recruiting class and you have put yourself back in the national spotlight after basically groveling to the masses for money for a couple of years and being, I won't say thrown out of your own conference, but basically leaving a conference where, which was your identity for another conference because your identity became green. So now you have resurrected your basketball program under a very good coach. We both like this guy, Mark Turgeon. And I think it's been a successful resurrection of a program, even if you didn't get to the expectations that you were looking for. Okay, I can live, I can live with that. Okay, great. So then spring training comes, and the Mets are ready. We got lots of arms. We're ready to go. And, of course, everybody gets hurt. And then the Yankees? We have a No expectations. Except no expectations, and they live up to that. Well, and then A-Rod would create a problem, and that absolutely was lived up to. And A-Rod may or may not go off into that Fahrenheit. Um, The expectation is that he will, based on – this is a rudimentary thought process, but when he was – excuse me, when he was on suspension and thinking about coming back, his Instagram and Twitter were all about working out. And in the last year, his Instagram and Twitter have all been about his show. Or sneezing, as Seth points out. There you go. So, if A-Rod is done, not dead like so many other players or sports figures of this year, he's done what do you take away from A-Rod? What, what are your lasting memories Rod, as a player? Someone who was more desperate to be liked than I think any athlete I've ever seen. Um, a phenomenal baseball player. Someone who probably could go down as one of the 10 to 15 greatest of all time if it wasn't for the PED issues. But someone who just Every time he opens his mouth, you just kind of rolled your eyes. And someone who, you know, his extraordinary talent and his extraordinary career have unfortunately just been continuously overshadowed by steroids, by by this controversy, that controversy, this, that, the other thing. And, you know, kind of a disappointing and sad end. To a career which probably deserved deserved better. Um, do you believe? Do you believe that through his work with Fox, right? Because he is he's a very good announcer. 
He's a very good analyst. Yes, he is. He knows the game. Do you think that his his image could be rehabilitated to a certain degree? Yeah, why not? Um, if you know, it's, it's looking more and more that next year you you may have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. Can A Rods be? Why can't you restore A Rods' image? Um, his his stats are comparable to either of those guys. His stats are comparable to anyone who's ever played the game, and he does come off extraordinarily well on Fox. And I think he'll stick with that for a while. Um, I think in his mind, he probably knows his baseball career is over, whether he wants it or not to be or not. In two, three, four years down the road, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. I really enjoy listening to A-Rod and Pete Rose together. Because while both of them are persona non grata within the baseball world, they are two of the more knowledgeable people I've ever heard of in ba- on baseball in general. They know baseball. They may not be liked. I don't think. At this point, I'm not sure A-Rod really cares. I know Pete Rose doesn't care. Pete Rose hasn't cared for years. He just about wants being to know liked. Yeah. He just about wants being to know liked, I think very much. I think A-Rod cares very much. Really? Okay. Okay. So we continue down the, the summer path and, and the doldrums of uh, the dog days of summer as Seth likes to play. And Seth takes a couple of weeks off because, A, he had a child, or Carly had a child. And, B, it's baseball season. So Sean's all well and good, very happy about this, and Seth is kind of waiting for, for training camp to start, which it does. And well, I think, I, think, camp, I think we – well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think we've oh, jumped I'm missing the NBA's finals. I'm missing we've the NBA. Than, we've jumped. But to me, the biggest story of the year, the story that even surpasses the Cubs, and it's, you know, we don't talk soccer very much for, reason, you know, reasons that it's not, it's just not as important on a day-to-day basis for U.S. sports fans. When you have a team that is 5,000 to one odds to win the league and they win it by 12 points. It's been the Leicester city run last year is considered the greatest upset in the history of sports. It's not really very close. And I think you have to, you have to take it, you know, when eventually I'm going to probably host, you know, the, so much to talk about your interview with Nabate Isles. And I, I, I can already see the fight coming of team of the year whether it's Cleveland, whether it's the the Cavs, whether it's the Cubs, it's Leicester City, and it's not close. There's no there's, to me, there's even a discussion about this. They were 5,000 to 1. They beat out Chelsea. They beat out Man City. They didn't win on a fluke. They didn't win by a point. They dominated the last six months. That To me, that is the, the greatest underdog story in the history of sports. It's right there. There may be one or two others. There may be one we mentioned during the Olympics, which are also coming up to discuss. Um, but I think you have to, you have to tip your cap to, uh, to Claudio Ranieri and the team, Riyadh Madrez and Jamie Vardy and all those guys. What they did was absolutely unbelievable. Well, I'll tell you one thing. 
5,001, I wish I had put some money on it. That would have been helpful to that degree. I think you're right on. I, I, I apologize for forgetting soccer, as I normally do. But that's the tendency in the show. This is why Seth brings me back to soccer, and I bring him back to baseball every once in a while. So it works out well for both of us. And you're right. And not only did I skip Leicester City, but I skipped probably one of the better comebacks in a sports series that I can recall, in that Cleveland comes back from 3-1 to one to take down Golden State. And LeBron, once again, becomes a champion and puts his hat in the ring, as I have said many times before, to the greatest of all time. And it hurt. I, I don't think he'll ever get to that level, but he's certainly not far off of it. Um, I, I think it, it's just extraordinarily difficult to surpass the records that Russell or Jordan have. Um, from a talent perspective, he probably is the greatest, the greatest player of all time. But I don't look at that in the same way. I, I look at that Golden State team who was 73-9 and nine and had as good a year as anyone has ever seen in pro basketball. Team was done <laughs> pretty much halfway through that series. Whether Now, it's taking nothing away from what Cleveland did. But remember, they had to come back, make a stunning comeback against Oklahoma City. Who they were down was I think they were up they were down three one or three two I forget which, um, which was the emergence of Stephen Adams, really the, the 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 apex of the Durant and Westbrook era since Harden James Harden has left. Now this was a t- game that this, this was a team that should have won, and as you watch that Golden State team against Cleveland, that was not the same Golden State team credit in the world to Cleveland from coming back from three to one. It doesn't happen very often or ever. That was not Stephen. That was not the Stephen Curry we've seen the last two years. Draymond Green getting suspended was incredibly stupid. Um, it was, it, it, you know, people were talking about the game seven. I did not think the game seven was a great game. I thought it was a, I thought it was an unbelievable block by LeBron James. I thought Kyrie was very was quite clutch on his three. But I don't watch that game and say, wow, that was a great game to watch. It was a great game because of the suspense. It was not a great game because of the way the game was played. I think Golden State looked terrible in that entire series. That being said, Cleveland has already had how much bad luck over the last 50 years. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad the uh, the gods threw them a bone in, in, in June because if they had lost that, and then we saw what happened in October. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the city would ever recover. No, I agree. I mean, October was very suspenseful. Um, but I will tell you that while Golden State may have been done by the end of the game four, where they were up three-one, there has to be credit given to Cleveland for for doing some of that for pushing them to that point. And I'm not saying it was all them. And this is part of why Moses's, Moses Malone's statement of fall, fall, fall is so incredible. Because when you win four games, you get rest because the other team has to play. Then you win another four and the other team has to rest. 
and so on and so forth. By both both teams had to get through three series, three or four series. It's up to you whether you win that in four games or in seven games. So yeah, I think I don't know if I buy that. I mean, it's true, but when you look who Cleveland played, and then you look at the West, that's two different hemispheres of talent that they had to go through. Atlanta, I mean, Cleveland, for all intents and purposes, had a walkthrough to the finals. You know, yes, Toronto tied them at 2-2, but nobody under any circumstances thought that they were going to win that series. I mean, they swept, I think, Atlanta in the semis. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it just, they, they did nowhere near the competition that Golden State even had against Portland, let alone against Oklahoma City. Now, again, it sounds like I'm taking away credit from Cleveland. That's not really my 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 thing. But I don't put that team on the pedestal that I would put, you know, Leicester City or even put what the what the Cubs would do um, in a few months down the road. We should probably talk a little bit of hockey. That's your that's your world, not mine. Sidney Crosby wins his what his second his second second um, Stanley yeah. Cup. Not a great uh, I, I, Pittsburgh team. That no. I remember, but a fun a fun series nonetheless. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Sidney Crosby cemented himself as the best player in the NHL. Connor gave it a ton. He had a twenty game. He was he was playing for twenty games. Went down for with a broken shoulder. Came back for ten games, and people were all hailing him the next Wayne Gretzky. Considering he's also in Edmonton, that certainly does help. But Sidney Crosby took the Penguins on his back and said, I'm the best player in in the NHL, and he proved it. Matt Murray was fantastic in goal. Chris Letang, amazing as as a defender. And the the ironic or interesting part of this was Pittsburgh is one of the few teams in a championship year to actually change coaches in the middle of the year from Mike Sullivan to Mike Johnson. So kudos to Mike Johnson for being able to change that on the fly and win an NHL championship. So we're done with June. We move into July. We move into August. And at the end of August, we have the draft the draft that wins us the second of second championship in a row, of which Nabata Owls <laughs> is still very angry about. But you know what? The dynasty would have been there. It would have been a three-peat Nabata. I'm telling you, a three-peat was there, if not for Mark Tressman and benching Jay Cutler. We call it the Jay Cutler rule. The Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show, fantasy football team, We'll never have Jay Cutler on our team again, ever. Um, I think it's it, it's bad karma. There, there's an adage when uh, when Bobby Knight led the '76 uh, Indiana team to an undefeated national championship, and you know he walks out of the stadium the first time for the first time after winning it, and a fan goes up and goes, "Congrats, Bob! You know you won the championship." He turns around and he goes, "Yeah, but it should have been two. And that's kind of how we both feel. Um, because our team, that first year, and I, I think we 
I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but that our team the first year was the best team we've ever had. It wasn't close. And um, to lose because Mark Tressman decides to bench Jay Cutler the day before week 16 is to say the least. Anyway, so the draft happens. For any, I think I think we should probably only, talk a little bit about the Olympics before we hold on. We only hold like, on. The only the only comparison I can have is if you are a Notre Dame fan and you and you heard Bino Cook the first year that Ron Paulus came into Notre Dame <laughs> South Bend saying that he's going to win at least two Heisman's and you were there at the end of Ron Paulus's career. That's how I feel. Anyway, the Olympics. The Michael Phelps show, the U.S. swimming show. Was there anything else but U.S. swimming that took place <laughs> during those two weeks? Well, I, I think we, when you talk about, you know, I think I think it really does start and end more than most. More than most. There's, I mean, there's there's always great stories. There's the first the first gold medal for Puerto Rico, Monica Puig. The women's singles tennis, Neymar um, kicking the penalty kick to win soccer goal for Brazil in Rio. Um, you know, there's there's a bunch of other stories, but when when, when you when we're going to look back at this from years from now, the only names that are really going to come up are Katie Ledecky, who I'm pretty sure could win a zillion gold medals. Michael Phelps, who closed out his, hopefully closed out his Olympic career in style. You know, the women's gymnastics, um, who just ran away with everything. And then, unfortunately, you have Ryan Lochte, who apparently parlayed his, whatever you want to call it, I guess trying to avoid embarrassing his mother into a national disgrace. And kind of a, a sad abomination. Although he ended up on, on he ended up doing what he ended up on Dancing with the Stars. He ended up getting engaged and have in and uh is expecting a kid. So his life isn't too bad. And for me, I thank God for the Olympics because it was right after Jake was born. So I was home every day. And otherwise I don't know what I would have done with myself. Five people, four people in that apartment, twenty four seven. Not easy. So, nope. I think definitely not easy. So, so we we jump quickly from the Olympics. We jump. I guess. I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about the NFL season and college football season. You know, college football, we're right back where we were. Um, Clemson, not great throughout the year, but did enough to make the playoff. Alabama, dominant with another freshman quarterback. Maryland and Syracuse, new coaches, same mediocre results, but there's some hope on the horizon. Heisman, a Heisman run that nobody really seemed to care about by anybody. And at the end of the day, we're back, you know, the finals next week, and we're back at Alabama-Clemson part two. And you forgot one other thing. We're back with Randy Edsel part two. <laughs> back to UConn. Well, he left him, I think, last time with a text. I, I wonder if he comes in the same way. As a Maryland fan, good riddance. You can have him. So the then NFL we season, have... 
the championship of all championships occurs in October. Where if you want to say that Leicester City was the number one story, okay, I think worldwide you're probably right. I'm not sure it was the number one story in the U.S. No, of course number not. One story, number one story in the U.S., I think it safely be said that it was the Cubs winning after over 100 years. And even more so, in the way that they won, in one of the most awkward games, the most awkward managed games I have ever seen a baseball game take place. And the rain delay, I don't think if the rain delay occurs that the Cubs win. I think they needed to reset. But I think we all agree on that. What's that? I think we all agree on that. So a phenomenal set, a phenomenal series, and one of the two teams was going to win and crack a streak of, I'm not even sure mediocrity is the word for it, I think ineptitude uh, is probably better. That, that's the word I was looking for. So, congratulations to the Cubs. If you want to say that Leicester City is the team of the year, you can do that. I, I will go with the Cubs as the team of the year. Who is the, who is the male athlete of the year for you? It's either Michael Phelps or Usain Bolt. Okay. Uh, I think it's Phelps, and I think Simone Biles is the women athlete of the year. Uh, I go with Kim. I go with Katie Ledecky. Remember, Simone Biles didn't win the women's all around. Correct. She didn't even make right. it. I, I, so I can't. I can't go with Biles. I forget the one who did. I know Allie Raceman was the other one. Ledecky was winning races by three and four seconds, which she did to me was. Insane. Oh yeah. She was definitely the. She was definitely. I have to tell you, I've never seen a more dominant athlete in any sport than Katie Ledecky. And she's, what, 17 years old? Yeah, she's a freshman at Stanford right now. Yeah. I saw, I, I saw a YouTube of a race of her. She won by about 14 seconds. It was hysterical to watch. It was over a lap, right? She won. It was over more lap. than a lap. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, this year, Sports World lost uh, a number of people. Just like, look, the last month, it seems like every celebrity that's been over 80 years old other than Betty White has passed away. We love you, Betty. We love you, Betty. There was actually a GoFundMe campaign to put her in a bubble for the last couple of days of 2016, which I found a little silly yet okay with that. So some of the sports celebrities that we lost this year. Probably the best, the best golfer of all time, or definitely the most well-known golfer of all time, Arnold Palmer. The best boxer of all time in Muhammad Ali. One of the best young pitchers, Jose Fernandez. An inspiration to Jets fans everywhere, in Dennis Burke. We the the man that coined the phrase we are what we thought they we are what they were what we thought they were in Dennis Green, one of the most underrated players in the 1970s for the NBA in Nate Thurman, 
the best female basketball coach of all time, Pat Summit. The man who clocked Kevin Gilbride on Monday Night Football, Buddy Ryan. <laughs> The man also I still refer to on every show. Defense. Also the architect of the 46 defense. The second best hockey player, second or third best hockey player of all time, and certainly the best player of the first 50 years in Gordie Howe. The man who put Syracuse basketball on the map, Dwayne Pearl Washington. The owner of the Philadelphia Flyers, Ed Snyder. The voice of golf and tennis for CBS for many years, Bud Collins. The man who had more jackets than I have pairs of shoes, Craig Sager. <laughs> the offensive coach for Peyton Manning, Ted Marchavoda. At 25 years old, the former center for Butler during their back-to-back championship, championship game appearances, Andrew Smith. An extremely underrated baseball player and Hall of Famer, one of the first African-Americans to play in the National League, Monty Irvin. And the man that gave up the shot that heard around the world, Ralph Branca. That's quite a list, Seth. Yeah, it is. And I, I think you kind of skip through Muhammad Ali a little bit quick. And oh, I did. There's certainly I was going to go back. I figured yeah. we would talk about him right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yes, one of the greatest boxers of all time involved in some of the greatest wars ever with Joe Frazier, with Ken Norton, the throw of Manila against uh, – throw of Manila was with Frazier, the, the rumble in the jungle uh, with, with, with Foreman. Um, but obviously someone who – just a fascinating life in regards to, you know, he come out as an Olympic winner in 1960 in Rome – becomes a member of the black, you know, becomes a devout Muslim, changes his name to Muhammad Ali, you know, loses three years of his, of his, of his prime boxing career. Um, fight, you know, because he refuses to enter the war. And he comes back a different fighter. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the reflexes or the speed, but he certainly has the guile. And just as someone who hung out in too long and because of that, Unfortunately, the Parkinson's was probably in part for fights against Larry Holmes, against Trevor Burbick, fights he never should have taken. But someone beloved around the world, probably the most beloved athlete, maybe the most well-known individual around the world. You know, whether you were a boxing yeah, I, fan or not, you knew who Muhammad Ali was. Yeah, I think probably uh, he's one of two. Him or Jordan are probably the two most well-known faces for sports <laughs> in the world. I think what the interesting part of Muhammad Ali to me has always been that he was probably one of the most hated men in America when he declined to go into the war. The most hated men in America. Back then, if you didn't want to go into the war and you weren't a teacher or found a, a, a legal way to do it, and you were a, I can't remember the, the, word, the words that he Conscient, used. He was conscientious a, objector. Conscientious objector. You were not patriotic. I mean, that, that was, that's what you were labeled. And to come full circle from there, to be one of the most beloved people in the United States, 
by the time that he passed away, I think is a tribute to him and the way he changed, because he certainly did. And that society changed during the course of Muhammad Ali's life. And that, to me, is more impressive than anything that he did in the ring. Muhammad Ali was a humanitarian first and foremost. I, I skipped over a couple of other people pretty quickly as well, being Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer and Gordie Howe. It's kind of hard when you lose the best of all time in three sports in one year. Yeah. And you can um, say Palmer. now that you could say now that Wayne Gretzky's the best of all time. You can say that Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods are the best of all time in, in in golf. And I'll grant you both of those because Gretzky is by far the best of all time. But at one point in their lives, each of those two men were the best or in their sport discussion. of all time. I don't know if I put Honor Palmer there. He was the most popular of all time. I don't think I put him as the best of all time. Um, but Before Gordy Howard Nicholas? I would have I'd have Nicholas well above him. You know, Bobby Jones, no, no, no. I'm Tim Sanders. No, before Nicholas even came on to the picture, he was the best yeah, of all time. There, there Bobby are a, Jones. Probably a ben, I would probably have a Ben Hogan above him. I'd probably have okay. Bobby Jones or Walter Hagen. But he's in a dis- okay. he's in the lower part of the discussion. And he's the most okay, popular fair. of all time. And he of course died within twenty four hours of Jose Fernandez dying as well. Gordy Howe, I think, is unequivocally considered the, the, the greatest player of all time before Bobby Orr. And then that kind of becomes its own little debate. And then Wayne Gretzky yeah. superseded both of them. When you, when you think of the four greatest hockey players of all time, in my mind, and there's, I don't know there's really much discussion, it is Gretzky or Howe, Mario Lemieux. Agreed. And, and I, think you actually, I think you actually put the top three up and then Lemieux probably starts the second discussion with, with the second tier with Messier. So okay. if you ask most hockey fans, that's where they would probably go. So we have one minute left in the show. Seth, I'd like to wish you and your family again a very happy new year. To our fans, we will again be on for Tuesday with our normal show. We'll talk about the firings of NFL coaches and where NFL teams go from here in the off season. So we'll discuss that. So Seth, do you have any final thoughts? We have about 20 seconds left. Uh, quick shout out to Conor McGregor as the MMA, as the obvious MMA fighter of the year. And no, so happy new year to Sean. An interesting year for me, but as I look at my little six month old, five month old kid, it, I have no real, you know, you know, big change, big year of changes for me. Come job, kid, apartment. Life's good. And I wish everyone, I hope everyone has a great new year. Happy new year, everybody. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye.